Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. Thank you for joining me today. I'm going to continue in our Oaks of Righteousness Discipleship Program today, and we're going to look at Level 1 and Lesson 3 of Level 1 today. Today we're going to talk about the Sprouting Stage. Now I want us to go back briefly and just review for a moment. This program, this entire series, is designed to be an introductory, at least, Christian discipleship program for those of you that need it. We want to provide as much resources as we can for you to know Jesus Christ and grow as his disciple. And so in this Christian discipleship program, in this level, level one, we're taking some drawing and correlation from the oak tree and its developmental stages and phases of its life cycle. And so in lesson one, we looked at the germination phase, which is where a brand new oak tree comes alive, comes to life and begins its actual life cycle from beginning to end. That is when that acorn that falls to the ground will find germination in good soil and it will begin to open up. It will, the seed will die and the new creation from the inside will begin to form. And there's a correlation here. This represents when a person has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the seed of the word of God, and that seed takes root inside of them and it falls inside of them and is planted and received into good soil in their heart and they believe on Jesus Christ then they become germinated in a sense. They experience that germination in a sense, that they become a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. A brand new person is born inside. They are then born again, born anew, born from above, born of the Spirit of God, like Jesus talked about in John chapter 3. Then in lesson 2, we looked at the development of the root system and absolutely how critical that is. The first thing that the plant, the oak tree, whatever it is, will do after germinating is to shoot down a root. Most of the time it's usually the tap root. And then from there the root system begins to develop. But the root system in any plant is absolutely critical. And that is true of the oak trees as well. This is true of the Christian's life as well. And it's very important that we get rooted in God's word, in the things that are good and right. And so the root system is critical. Now we want to move on to the next stage of the oaks development, if you will. And we want to talk about the stage called sprouting. After the development of the solid roots for the tree to stabilize it and ground it in the truth, the next phase of development in the oak is a sprouting stage. It may be also called a seedling stage. But the tree then begins to shoot upward. It'll first establish some root system, although it might be a tender system at this time, but now it'll begin to shoot upward. The shoot will be somewhat wobbly, unstable as yet, but it begins to branch upward. Notice even the direction in nature 
is noteworthy because it is upward. And in the Christian's life, our shoot, our sprouting needs to be upward toward the Lord. I believe this signifies a drawing near to the Lord in relationship, seeking and desiring closeness with him. This is what I see in this stage of the development for a brand new Christian as well. Obviously, for the new Christian or the new Messianic Jewish person who's come to believe in Yeshua, this would involve a few different things. And I want us to talk about some of these today. First of all, we'll look at the obvious, and that is to develop a relationship with the Lord who saved us, with God our Father. You realize now that we have entered the right and the privilege of being called a child of God. God has become our Father. I want to read that to you in John chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. I'm actually going to start the reading in verse 11. He, meaning Jesus, came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So now we have entered, when we germinate and become a brand new Christian, when we are born again of the Spirit of God, we enter a relationship with God the Father. He has now allowed us the privilege to be called his child. And notice how amazing this is that even John the Apostle, one of the very closest to Jesus, describes it this way in 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. He says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. So John is absolutely amazed at the fact that now, through simple faith in Jesus Christ, accepting his death on the cross as the ransom payment in full for my sin, repenting of my sin, asking him to forgive me, and to become my Lord and my Savior. And in that simple act, God then accepts us when we mean it in our heart, and we believe in Jesus, the Son of God that he has sent. Then God will accept us. He will welcome us in the beloved. He makes us his child, writes our name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and grants to us eternal life, and we become brand new. John was amazed by this, but now we are able then to be considered children of God. 
every human being born alive is made in God's image. But only those, according to Scripture, who believe in Jesus Christ are true children of God. And now we have the Holy Spirit and are able to cry out, Abba, Father, to our Heavenly Father. This stage to me speaks of drawing near to God. James chapter 4 verse 8 tells us that if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. How do we draw near to God? Well, we do it humbly and with a clean attitude, clean cleanliness of our soul and spirit, meaning that we make sure when we come into the presence of the Holy God that we are aware of any sin, any wrong that we have in our heart, in our mind, in us that we need to repent of. And so we receive his cleansing by faith, by confessing our sin, asking him to forgive us. We have to do that periodically. It's not that he didn't save us initially. It's just that we get dirty from time to time. Just like you take a bath every day or whatever, or you may have to wash off your face or whatever at times. So when we come to the Lord, we come humbly and we seek to be clean before him, but we come and we draw near in prayer and in praise and in worship. We come to spend time with him. We come to love him. We come to hear from him and we call out to him and we come to him. If you'll remember, as we saw in the last lesson and we talked about John chapter 8, verse 30 through 32, how Jesus himself talked about continual abiding in his word, bringing about that discipleship. And in that discipleship, there is closeness to God that is a part of that because discipleship is simply growing in our relationship. It's similar if you were to have a relationship with a friend or a spouse or something like that. You may begin that relationship and once you begin that relationship, there is continual communication. There's a, a closeness that develops. There's a fondness. There's a friendship, etc. And so that's what we're talking about here is that that seedling has to remain connected to the root, connected to the tree, connected to that plant that is now sharp, starting to shoot upward. And Jesus spoke of that, continual abiding in his word in John chapter 8, verse 30 through 32. So growth will only come because the seedling or this sprout is connected to the living root, the stem of that tree. Let's read in John chapter 15. I want to read verses 1 through 16. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. 
Now, let's stop here for a minute. So in these first five verses, we see Jesus referring to this importance of abiding in the vine, abiding, staying permanently, dwelling there, residing there, building that relationship in a love relationship with him, abiding in the vine so that we can then grow. Now, as a newborn baby, that newborn baby is not going to be an adult overnight, but there's a process and there's a growth that happens. Same thing with the oak tree, especially in an oak tree. It takes a long time for an oak tree to grow to maturity, but it has to start, and it starts by abiding, by the connection, the seedling, that sprout has to be connected to the living root, the living stem of that tree in order to continue to bring about growth. There's an abiding that has to happen. Continuing in the reading, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So here, Jesus is teaching about the importance of abiding in the vine, abiding in him, and him in us. This is done, and this is speaking of that love relationship, that drawing near to him, developing prayer, praise, worship, and the study of his word, the reading of his word as daily disciplines in our lives. This is the key for the oak tree. It's the key for, for the oak tree to stay connected to the stem, the living stem of the tree. And it's also the key for the Christian. We must abide in Jesus. He is the source of everything we need. Now notice that with the sprout, with the seedling and the sprouting of that tree, once it begins to shoot upward, much of that work is still yet mostly unseen. It's internal work. It's work in the tree that's developing, but it hasn't yet shot through the ground and become evident. Although there is outer evidence visible at time and in time to come, most of the work that's being done at this stage is internal and mostly unseen. 
there can be some degree of outer evidence immediately, and I believe that is true in the life of a Christian for the most part, because the Spirit of God now comes inside of you, and you don't want the same things you, you wanted before. You're a new person. The old is gone, and the new has come. So if you drank wine before, if you drank alcoholic drinks and so forth, you may not drink those anymore. If you watched certain types of movies or other things that were not right for you to watch, you may not want to ever watch them again. You may not watch those things again. So there are changes that will immediately almost very soon become evident, but there's still a tremendous amount of work by the Spirit of God that's going on inside of you that may not yet really be seen in its fullness. Most of the work here at this stage is internal. You are abiding in the vine, the source of true life, and he's filling you with more of him. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, for instance, we were just talking about drinking, but in this particular passage it says, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the stage where there is that indwelling of the Holy Spirit because you're a brand new person and that Holy Spirit inside of you is beginning to work to change you and your desires are different than they were before. Your lifestyle is becoming different than it was before. And the more that you draw near to God, the more he will fill you with himself and he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. This stage is where initial development begins to take place for Christians. And in that, there is an importance, a critical importance that I must stress to you. Develop daily disciplines of prayer, reading, study, memorization, etc. of the Word of God, worship time, time with the Lord. Some people call it quiet time. Start somewhere. Even if you have to start small, let it grow from there. Because growth will begin if you will put forth the effort to develop these daily disciplines. And they're very, very important to the life of every Christian at whatever stage you are. These are daily disciplines that will become lifelong habits, lifelong disciplines in your life. And at every stage of your life in Christ, you will grow more and more and more through these daily disciplines. I want to read to you 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So here again, we're talking about the same as we were talking about earlier, how it begins with desiring the sincere milk of the word. But Peter says the desiring of the pure milk is so that you can grow. After feeding on the milk of the word, you begin to grow, just like a newborn baby. A newborn baby might weigh seven, eight, nine pounds when it's born. But as it begins to take on that milk over a few weeks, over a few months, etc., then that baby's weight begins to build up. That baby's size begins to build. That baby's length 
and height begins to build. The child begins to grow because it's feeding on that word constantly. Every day that baby needs the milk. Every day that baby is growing little by little. And soon they will be able to have the introduction of soft food little by little. This is the other key that I want you to understand, that even in these daily disciplines, begin somewhere and begin to develop these things until they become habit and they become second nature and do it, even if it's little by little. I want you to see something from the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 28, I want to read verses 9 through 13. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk, those just drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. So here it's a warning and a declaration against those who are wicked who are not wanting to hear it. But the point is still true that is being brought here after being weaned from milk, in addition and beyond that milk, then we need to be growing from there little by little. So even with the baby, for instance, the baby will still drink milk even after they've been introduced to soft foods for a season. There's still going to be milk involved. But in addition to that milk, there is going to be the addition of that soft food little by little. As you begin to grow in Christ and in the development of these daily disciplines, make sure that you are also letting the Word of God be little by little, more and more, more and more. And as you do that, as you commit to these, you will find this to be true. You'll begin to understand the Word more. It will make more sense to you. You'll begin to connect dots together in the Word, for instance. The word of God here, it speaks of it being precept upon precept or command upon command, ordinance upon ordinance. In other words, it's word by word or verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It's little bit upon little bit upon little bit, more and more and more. As you go through precept upon precept, you'll begin to understand what God is saying more and more. It's interesting, line upon line is actually talking about a connecting cord in the original word, or a line or measure. It's interesting to me because the way I see this applying to us with the word of God is you're able then to see how it all gets connected. You begin to measure your growth in it. You begin to measure the understanding that you're having little by little. It's a measuring line for your progress as you grow, and you're able to see more and more how these things connect. For instance, let's take a simple one that was just applicable within the last couple of weeks when we, at the time of this taping, 
we're celebrating Christmas in its season. And so we were looking at and considering and reading Luke chapter 1 and 2, Matthew chapter 1 and 2. We heard messages about those, songs written from those, etc. But so if you're brand new to the Lord and you're reading those things or you're hearing those things, maybe you are back reading in Isaiah now and you come to Isaiah 7:14 that talks about the virgin will conceive and bring forth the son and his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so then it begins to click in you and you go, wait a minute. That's what I just read in Luke. That's what I just read about in Matthew chapter one with Joseph. It begins to make sense now. I see the connection. Yes, Isaiah 7, 14, he spoke prophetically about this coming virgin that would conceive and bear the son of the living God. And that happened in Luke chapter two. So you see how it begins to connect line upon line. And then it says little by little. It literally means a dwindling or a small, small amount, small amount of quantity, small amount of time. And I want to park here for just a second and explain this to you that I believe the Lord put in my heart. Both are necessary in our growth in the Lord. Quantity and time. We've got to give the Lord time and spend time with him and even to the point that we are giving him some quantity we're increasing in the quantity both are necessary in your growth little by little amounts of time little by little amounts of the word and prayer the quantity and the quality each one is significant each one matters and each one helps you to grow. Maybe you start out with five minutes. Maybe you add and increase that the next day or the next week to 10 and so on. It's little by little, little by little of the word. Maybe today you read one chapter. Maybe next week you read two chapters. It's little by little, you're growing in your understanding of the word. You're growing in your relationship with the Lord because you're abiding in the vine. And in abiding in the vine, you're also abiding in his word, just like he said in John. Remember, even with the baby and the infants that we talked about before, they eat very small amounts of solid food at first. Even their quantity increases over time. And over time, their time at the table will increase later on. And it will take them a little bit longer to eat their food as they grow. All of these things can parallel the Christian growth experience. The sprout is now beginning to shoot upward. It's built upon the solid foundation. It's established in the root and it's abiding in the vine and it's now shooting upward. It's sprouting. From these, we can even understand through the Old Testament Torah and the instructions from God to Moses, even how it applies to the church today in the sense of a daily relationship. Let's begin to draw to a close for this lesson 
by reading some from Deuteronomy chapter 6. I encourage you to read the whole chapter. I'm going to read a selection. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so let's stop here for a moment. These definitely carry into the New Testament, because Jesus even quotes this when he's asked about the greatest commandment. Jesus says the greatest commandment is the one found in the beloved Jewish Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This comes through a vibrant love relationship with the Father, with the Lord himself. Continuing in the reading, verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Notice, it's always been about the heart with God. It's always been about the heart with God. You shall teach them diligently, to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So God is saying here, I want this to be a daily lifestyle. I want you to be living with me and this to become part of your daily life and your daily lifestyle. My word, and then talking about my word, sharing my word, sharing what you learn from my word talking about it with your family members, with your spouse, etc. God's design is that we incorporate these daily disciplines of the Christian faith so that we can grow and become strong in the Lord. And yes, it requires effort. It requires some discipline. But oh, it is so worth the effort. We must remember salvation, that germination stage, that's only the beginning for that brand new oak tree. We are a brand new tree. We are a brand new person. We have a brand new life. Free, victorious, clean, pure, living holy before the Lord and enjoying peace and joy. It's worth all the effort we can give. And it's very rewarding and fulfilling like nothing else. Solomon even spoke of that when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. In the whole of the book of Ecclesiastes, in essence, he sums it up at the end. He's tried all kinds of things to fill the void in his life. He's tried all kinds of things to find what is really rewarding, what is really fulfilling, what is really what life is all about. And he tries pursuing this, that, and the other. And he talks about it throughout the whole book. But then he comes to the end and he sums it all up. And he says the whole summation of life, the whole best deal in your life, the whole best purpose in life is to fear God and keep and honor his word. Come to know him 
and have a relationship with him in obedience and concord with his word, his nature, and his character. God takes the whole of the Bible and he reveals to us his righteous character, his nature, his word, his best for us. And that's what he desires. Notice in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I want to read verse 19 and 20. God is speaking and he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. God is saying here, I want to bless you. And I've laid out before you the choice that you can make. I'm not going to make it for you. I'm not going to force it on you. But I want you to choose life. Because I want to have a beautiful relationship with you. And I want to bless you. This is God's desire for you to make your life full and rich in the sense of it being fulfilling and rewarding for you, that you will find the meaning that Solomon was searching for in Ecclesiastes and found by the end of that book. This is where we might say, like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. The psalmist knew because he had experienced it. And once you taste and see that the Lord is good, nothing else in life compares. Solomon found that to be true by the end of Ecclesiastes because he had tasted all these other things and none of them satisfied. But when he tasted of the Lord, he said nothing else compares. The Lord is our life and our source. And when we are abiding in him, we are growing. Abide in him and see the growth that he brings us. Even little by little, precept upon precept, line upon line. May the Lord bless you and may he bless this word to you so that you can continue to experience how good he is in your own personal walk with him as you grow as his disciple. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can continue to join us in our Oaks of Righteousness Discipleship Program series. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.